Well, good morning as we gather on this Tuesday, the sixth week of ordinary time, this fat Tuesday as we know it, this day before the journey of Lent begins, beautifully so, tomorrow on Ash Wednesday. So many lessons we can take from the readings offered for today. First, we begin in Genesis, many lessons to be derived, but perhaps simply so today is we have the explanation, if you will, of the human family and God's design for the human family. We have to remember that this story of Genesis, in many ways an allegory, is written centuries and centuries and centuries after the events of the earth that bring about the formation of the earth occur. And at that time, the writers of the Old Testament in Genesis wouldn't have known what we know today about the formation of the earth and development of the continents and the formation and the development of the human family as we know it today, but they give good explanation to it. And one truth they knew stands true today, that we are a derivative of male and female, that it takes a man, 23 chromosomes, and a woman with 23 chromosomes to form a human being. There's no other, there's no alternative, there's no non-binary, it's a term used today, that's a lie, say it again, that is a lie you hear that it is a lie you are at birth or at conception rather male or female forever you are male or female forever at conception that is the design of all progenitive life and it's certainly the design for God's perfect creation which is the humanity the human life imperfect in how we live it but perfect in his design that's important to know because as we segue to the teachings from our gospel reading from Mark, it's, there's a bit of humor as that, as that gospel narrative begins. We're told that they entered upon a boat and discovered they have no bread. What we have to know is just a few verses before, Jesus had fed the 4,000. In the previous chapter, he'd fed the 5,000. So the disciples are at this point quite familiar with the plentitude of bread yet traveling now with our Lord, getting into the boat after feeding the 4,000, of which there were many baskets left over, they've forgotten provisions. And they're noting that, they're noting that. And Jesus says, uh, Mark tells us rather, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. We also have to remember contextually, they're on the Sea of Galilee, you can see the opposite shore. So it's not as though they were at fear of drifting at sea for days or weeks on end. No, they can see the other shore. So starvation is not the foremost in their minds. But Jesus enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. In a sense, guard against the expanded teaching of those who appear to be the ruling class, the elites in the Jewish culture and the religious Jewish culture, and guard against Herod who represents the secular world. Yeast is a single-celled microorganism, Saccharomyces siliciae. It is a consumer of sugar, is what it does. And so when yeast is added to bread dough, it's consuming the natural sugars that occur in the, occur in the flour, as well as the additive sugar that one may put into that recipe in order to create the expanding loaf. Bread without yeast is flatbread, it's hard. Picture biscotti, it's like that. But yeast added to a bread dough will allow it to expand to create that fluffy uh, texture that we know and, and most people prefer. And so what is the yeast that he's warning against? Well, he's warning against the yeast, 
the leaven, the teachings that creep into society over time. They crept into the Jewish Mosaic law. The Pharisees were promoters of that. And they would begin to teach things that were divergent from what our, they knew to be in the Mosaic Code. And they were certainly divergent from the focus which our Lord brings to us in His teaching. They're divergent from that. They become focused on the pecune. And it, they become hard of heart as they judge one another relative to one's adherence to these pecune, distracting, ex external expressions of faith. They, they weren't core to what our Lord was trying to teach us, which is respect for the other, love for one another, and devotion and adherence and obedience to our Creator God. That is our Lord's message, to know Him and to love Him. As well as the leaven of Herod, Herod then the, the secular ruling king, he's warning against that leaven, which are these, these teachings that society would embrace, the paganism. In our current day today, there are many challenges and threats to a walk in faith. We're all subject to, to many of them. And the leaven we can, we can fear today, uh, and as was, was part of a theme last night, here in this beautiful church gathered over 60 men to initiate a consecration to St. Joseph, which will culminate on March 19th. Maddie Dabrowski helped organize that event. She leads our faith formation efforts here. We had over 60 men here with their families who begin this process of committing themselves to understanding the model life of St. Joseph and how they may incorporate his charism into their life as father or husband or young man in formation. Because in our world today, our young ones are threatened with these, the leaven of society. And one of those disordered teachings is that I can change my gender. I'm not a particularly polemic about that. It's just it comes up often in discussions that we can deny God and change what I am. I can deny God and change what I am. And that God-denying effort, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, is, he says is the number one threat to the Catholic Church. This leaven, this ideology that I can change God or that there's some other model for progenitive life than male or female. That is very, very dangerous because young ones exposed to that ideology and that thinking may progress to the point of poisoning themselves with an excess of hormones that don't belong in that particular chromosomal map, male or female. They're all, they're, they're, they are poisonous to a male or a female, depending on the, on the hormone ingested. And if that's not successful, they'll then proceed or progress to mutilative surgery where they damage and disform their bodies forever in a way that's irreparable. And the outcome of that <clears throat> appears to be 20 times more the case that they will end their life then. They will kill themselves because they discover it's all a lie. And that is the leaven that seems so innocent. It just creeps into society. It seems so innocent. And our hearts should be compassionate to a person caught up in that disordered communication and that confusing moment in life. Instead of advancing their seeking of something that's not true, we should embrace them and help them sort out the real cause of why they feel disconnected with their true identity. What's going on there that led to that, that disconnection? What's going on and how can we embrace and help rather than condemn? How do we embrace and help? Because the person's on a journey that our world and our contemporary society, at least in the United States, is very aggressive at promoting and it's leading to the destruction of many. It's leading to the destruction of the individual it's leading to the destruction of our family 
and it's leading in many ways to impairment in our society. So as we go forward today in this liturgy, preparing for this Lenten journey, this five weeks, where we are called into having a penitent heart, we reflect on our own misgivings, we reflect on our own imperfections, we offer almsgiving, we may find ways of fasting, and as I shared on Sunday, almsgiving and fasting can take different forms, can't they? They can be an expression of charity, that's almsgiving. They can be an expression of kindness, that's almsgiving. Fasting can be not trying to advance my own opinion over someone else's. It can be waiting in, in belay and saying, hold on, let me understand you first before I ensure that you understand me. Praise God, we have these seasons upon us. God bless you all.